0: Harry Kane's double along with Christian Eriksen wonder strikes saw Spurs defeat West Ham in their cup final. We discuss Saturday's win and preview Apoel to come tonight as we have the last word on Spurs. Is
1: Gascoigne going on to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I fell!
2: Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. And still Ricky Villa.
0: and Welcome back to our brand new show where we have The Last Word on Spurs. You can follow us across a range of different social media platforms. We are on Twitter at LastWordOnSpurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram too. Guys, you should also now be able to hear the show on a variety of different audio platforms including Audioboom, iTunes and Acast. On tonight's show, we'll be discussing the win over West Ham on Saturday... We'll be taking your questions for our panel, as always, and finally, building up to tonight's game in the Champions League, away to Applewell. But, before we talk all things Tottenham Hotspur tonight, let's introduce the panel, taking us through the next hour. I am pleased to say, first up tonight, we have Vasconi making his debut. Vas, how are you?
3: Yeah, I'm all good, thanks, Ricky. Nice to be back with you.
0: Good, good, and pleasure to have you on tonight, Vas. Really looking forward to it. And joining Vast tonight, a voice that hasn't been too far from the distance. Mr. John Mannings is back on the show. John, how are you? All good, mate. Still buzzing. Looking forward to this. Yes, should be a really good one, John, shouldn't it? Um, yeah, definitely,
4: mate. We've got a, a lovely win to talk about. Yeah,
0: we. we've got a fun hour in store. And joining John and Vast tonight, most certainly last but not least, Mr. Jason McGovern back on the show. Jason, how are you?
2: Good to be back, mate, and thoroughly enjoying another London Derby victory.
0: Yes, what a win. Well Jace, let's start with you. Um like I say, back to winning ways. Listen, it wasn't an easy game at least. You looked like it at 3-0. Jace, what was your assessment on the game?
2: I thought uh first 30, 30 minutes up until we scored, there wasn't really a lot in the game. We probably feel that we were controlling it doing with with the possession. They probably feel that they had it under control allowing us to have that bit of possession and trying to play on the break and it was was a bit like last year's opening half hour in that in that game back in May then once we got the goal between between the goal and the sending off you know three was probably the the bare minimum that we could have had you felt like we were going to score every time we went forward and then obviously we then had the the nervy last 25 minutes after the sending off but You know, I I have to say, despite watching it being incredibly nervy, if you actually look back on it, even in those last 25 minutes, other than Kuyati's goal, Hugo never really had much to do at all. And I think probably now you can sit back with the cold light of day, it feels like it was was actually quite calm in those 25 minutes. And probably if, if West Ham would have had 10 and we'd have been on the front foot we'd actually say we were disappointed that we didn't create more chances in that time so we actually I thought we defended those last 20-25 minutes pretty well
0: Yeah Coming over to you John it was certainly West Ham that made it a grandstand finish what was your thoughts on the game?
4: Well I was glad that a full-time whistle I know that much <laughs> I think I could have drained the sweat off my palms and filled up a pint glass I know that it was <laughs> disgusting but it was one of them where you know just typical just a typical London derby I think you know as Jay's already said, the first half an hour was a bit bish-bash, nothing much going on. It was just, you know, a bit of a war of attrition and I think what it came down to ultimately, looking at it at half-time, was the fact that we got, you know what I mean, the clinical marksman up top who knows where the net is. And I think, you know, that obviously that trend continued into the second half. Ericsson's goal was a nice one after Kane was, you know, unluckily denied a hat-trick by the post and then, yeah, that last 20 minutes was long. It was long, but it was uh, much celebrated in my house at the end and I think... As I said to you before we started, I think I'd rather win that way because then they go away thinking, "Oh damn, we could have got something out of that." As opposed to being trounced. If you're going to lose, you might as well lose five nil because then you, there's no regrets after. And hopefully, every, hopefully, it stopped all of them sleeping and the uh, the central eating in their caravans cut out. and, uh, <laughs> and Saturday evening Whilst we were uh, enjoying match of the day, it was uh, yeah, it was a good day Saturday. I enjoyed it
0: yeah we'll trust John it's another sound bite there that's not like John at all is it really (laughs) (laughs) fantastic Vass coming over to you then what was your thoughts on the game
3: Um, I thought the first sort of 20-25 minutes uh, we struggled to get going a little bit I know Jay said we had possession and I tend to agree but we um, finding it difficult to get balls into the midfield and then everything seemed to be getting cut out by West Ham they were pressing quite quite well uh, against us um, but then all it takes is um, one bit of magic, isn't it? And it, we, we got the goal and then there was no looking back after that. Uh, got to 3-0. Uh, we probably could have had more and, and, and shut the game off. Uh, but then them pulling one back and Aria getting sent off, it kind of gave them the impetus and uh, put us under the pressure. We ended up hanging on in the end. We're really, we really we could have sewn the game up a, a lot sooner. Uh, unlike John, I would have liked to have seen us trance in five or six nil, to be <laughs> perfectly honest with you. I don't care whether they slipped or not. <laughs> I would have enjoyed it a lot more.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a game that, I mean, on the face of it, it looks really close. But in true honesty, Spurs did dominate that game for large periods and allow West Ham back in. We're going to talk about the situation as to why West Ham maybe got back into the game. But, Jay's taking it very back to the starting lineup. coming over to you, we started the game, I mean the likes of we had Lorente Son on the bench. Now Dembele, I want to ask you Jace, we seem to have this occurring issue at the moment where Moussa Dembele is now picked up this ankle injury. And listen, I love Moussa Dembele, but he's missing now Jace big games at crucial times for Spurs. Is there a an undercurrent of worry here about his long-term future at Tottenham because of the amount of injuries he's having, Jace?
2: Well, you've certainly got to worry about his his availability, I think. You know, as we said last week, we were all surprised to see him play in that uh, Barnsley game. But we don't know what what the discussions are between himself and Pochettino, and just how much pain and that he's feeling in that foot. I don't think he would have preferred to play in the Barnsley game than the West Ham game himself. So it's really difficult to know, isn't it? Uh, But you know, Pochettino's comments both before the game and and kind of. Comments he's made since would suggest that he might actually be out for 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 quite some time. I just get that feeling that you know we might not see him much over the next three or four weeks, and and it's definitely a worry because he's such an important player to us. But you know, I, I think that's also another reason why we kind of looked at Ross Barkley because I think that's that's another player that Pochettino thinks maybe that's the the long term replacement along with Winks for Dembele that that he'd, he'd play Barkley a bit deeper than he normally has done, but. You know, let's, let's just hope we get Dembele fit before before too much longer, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, not looking forward too much to Applewell. we'll come on to that later, but Pochettino has said that Harry Winks is a probable starter for this evening. He has also said apparently that with regards to Moussa Dembele, there is an outside chance of him being fit for Huddersfield. So it's a difficult chase, isn't it? Because at the moment we're kind of getting mixed messages as to where we stand on Dembele. Fine player... You know, that's the, you would argue that maybe if he was fully fit, would there be more kind of rumours of him being linked away from Tottenham? Because he's a fabulous footballer. Don't get me wrong, he's so important to us. We want to see him back soon, as soon as possible. Coming over to you, John, we'll bring it forward to the game. We have to start with the first goal. And again, the brilliance of Christian Eriksen seeing him between the lines, finding Deli Alley, who then played this pinpoint cross to Harry Kane. And there was absolutely no chance, John, of him missing that bullet header. What a fine first goal.
4: No, it was. It was, uh, first of all, Andy Carroll done well to find Christian (laughs) Eriksen.
0: I love that. uh, I
4: love that. I would say Carroll was probably directly at fault for both of the uh, (laughs) the first two goals, wasn't he? But, yeah, no, it was uh, the, you know, the vision from Eriksen to play that ball through, you know, pinpoint precision on his weaker side. Although I'm not sure he's really got a weaker foot, to be fair. No, yeah, this is it. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, the way that... Uh, to stop, when I seen the ball leave Delhi's foot I was thinking maybe that Kane was a bit too much on the stretch but he'd done his leaping salmon and it ended up in the net and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was it, it was one of them goals that was quite aesthetically pleasing Ple- you know nice nice on the eye the fact that Joe Hart didn't even bother moving you know what I mean says it all they're not missing him in Italy by the way bowler counts and yeah it was uh, well, it's it just one of them it come at such a good time for us and obviously we was uh, uh, you know strong from then on to, to half time But, yeah, no, it was a a lovely goal. No stopping them.
0: Yeah, Christian Eriksen now has more assists and created more chance in 2017 than any player in the whole of Europe. Just in case anyone thinks the bloke is severely underrated like me. Vass, coming over to you. Listen, I think on this podcast, we always ring the praises of Christian Eriksen. Can you add to that at all? Because he's in phenomenal form this year and he's getting better, Vass, game by game at the moment.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I seem to recall at the beginning of last season, there were... Questions around uh, Ericsson and what he was bringing to the team and maybe he wasn't really at it. But once he's found his stride, he, he's really gone up to another level now. Uh, he's, he's so much more consistent. He, I think he covers more ground per game than any other Spurs player. And his vision and his, his range of passing is critical um, for us and it's really what makes us tick. Uh, it was a great ball into uh, into Ali for that first goal. I actually thought Ali crossed it a bit too hard. I'm thinking, gosh, where's this going? But it was it was a great header by Kane. So, lovely to see it hit the back of the net and, and get us off. And then once that first goal went in, we were we were a lot more at ease after that, I think.
0: Yeah. Jase, coming over to you. I have to get your thoughts on Christian Eriksen. I know you've always been one to kind of always stand by him, even when he's gone through the rough periods. A word from you, Jase, on Eriksen at the moment? He just, just
2: continues to impress each week at the moment. And, you know, we've, we've even found a way for for him to be dangerous from, from our free kicks now by, by staying in the box and waiting for rebounds to come his way.
0: So
2: <laughs> we've even solved that problem.
0: We have indeed. James, just sticking with you, alley and um, I've seen some recent criticism against him on Saturday. A lot of talk about him, you know, maybe... The, I find that on Sunday supplement they were kind of running this whole thing that when the ball comes to him everything seems to break down. I mean, it is worth pointing out that Deli Alli, he's been directly involved in 21 of our last 26 Premier League games in 2017. He's also 65% of Deli Ali's Premier League assists have been for Harry Kane. I mean, they're such a deadly duo. Can you still understand the the criticism of Deli Alli at the moment?
2: Well, I think we'll all accept that he's not... form, that's for sure. But my point with with Deli Alli is... Even though he's not in his best form He still has a direct influence on the game And mm. we saw him have an excellent game at Everton He was the central figure in the win at Newcastle He scores the goal in midweek You know, even in a, a disappointing game for him Saturday He still in, makes the assist for the first goal It's still his running behind That has the, the shot that, that Hart deflects straight into the path of Harry Kane um, and, and even though he dawdled on the ball It was disappointing to see him dawdling Because he had, he had three good chances to try and to kill the game off but it's the fact that he's still making those runs. He's still getting into the positions to pick those balls up. So, you know, for me, I think that's a sign of his class that we're sitting here saying he's below his best this season. And yet he's still, what, with three goals and, and three assists or something in those games. And I think that's, that's that says everything about Deli Alli for
0: me. Yeah, it does. John, any words on Deli Alli from your perspective? I know you've always been one of his big admirers.
4: Well, like, you know, like I'd just like to echo what Jay said. I think the fact that he's not playing as well as some people, you know, as we know, he, he, you know, he could, but still directly affecting games. And I just think it's a bit out of order, really, all the stuff that's gone on. I think the difference is back in the day, before the days of social media, we wouldn't have known about his change of management mm, group. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mm. think that just puts a little bit of extra pressure on because people are, are quick to jump on him if he does do anything a little bit, you know, if he's not playing with a smile on his face or that boyish enthusiasm that maybe he did have when he first came in, and and people go, Oh, he's you know he's had his head turned or and all that, lot. and I think it's just pathetic, really. I think, like I said last week, I'm not one of these who goes, I think we should enjoy him while he's there because he won't be there long. I don't, I don't think he will go anytime soon. Okay. But just I just think it, you know, we've had players before that have had little impact on a game and not played so well, and that means that they've. Done nothing for ninety minutes, and with Delhi, you know what I mean. You don't take him off because at any one any, any one moment he can affect the game. And uh, on Saturday, he did I thought without being spectacular, you know what I mean. If, if he was playing for West Ham, I'll guarantee we would have lost on Saturday.
0: It's funny you say that, John, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those things where Deli. I mean, we've always said it. I, I think you put it there aptly, John, that from our perspective, you have to leave him on the pitch because he's always such a threat. You know there's always a goal in him. He, for me, he's the go-to guy at Tottenham. He's the game-changer. I think you have to keep him on that pitch. And I think no doubt throughout this season we're going to sit on this podcast and praise Deli Ali because we know he's going to get goals in vital games for us. That is just the way it is. Coming over to you, Vas, a guy that at the moment that everybody is in love with, including Maurizio Pochettino, is Harry Kane. Vas, what can you say about him that we haven't said before about Harry Kane?
3: There are no more words, I don't think, or superlatives. I mean, the guy is just... The only thing I can pick out of Harry Kane is he hates August, clearly. (laughs) Um, But aside from that, I mean, he goes on... You know, each game, and he said himself uh, in the the post-match interview that he's quite... He goes into games confident that he will... Score and I think as fans we, we feel that way as well. We we know that if he's going to get some chances, uh, likelihood is he'll put one or two of them away. Um, he's just the the, the ultimate centre forward at the moment, uh, best in the Premier League by far in my opinion, and probably one of the best in Europe at the minute. So um, it's yeah, no, there, are, there There's not much more we can say about Harry Kane. He's key to our our, our play, and he's uh, epitomises everything that is good about Tottenham Hotspur.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is, I say, he's the poster boy for Tottenham. He really is. Jace coming over to you, I'm going to give you a frightening stat here. Based on his current scoring record, Harry Kane will break Alan Shearer's Premier League record in another 266 games during the 2025-26 season. He scored 21 in 29 Premier League London derbies for Tottenham. Is there anything, Jace, this guy cannot do? Because the range of goals he scores, the variations of them... There's just so many, Jace. I mean, he literally for me, he's a superstar, isn't he, Jace?
2: Oh, without a doubt, he's he's as good as you know. I'm trying to think in the the forty years that I've been going, I'm, I'm trying to think of anyone that's that's done the things that he's doing at the moment in terms of a striker. And you know, I've seen I've seen Lineker's, I've seen Klinsmans, I've seen Allens, um, but you know, he's right up there, and and that's all that's the biggest praise I can I can think to give him. He's just as you say, every week he's just out there doing his business, really leads the line now. And, he, and I think the thing is, he's just getting better and better all the time. So nah, we're just uh, incredibly lucky to have him playing for us. I don't mean that that he should be looking to leave us. I just mm. mean, thank, thank God he was, was born a Spurs fan and he's, he's come up to our ranks, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, completely echo those thoughts. John, coming over to you. It's six goals in his last six appearances against West Ham. It's 19 <laughs> goals in 28 Premier League London derbies for Tottenham. This this stat is the best one for me. He's scored more career goals, 131, than West Ham's last 30 strikers combined. John, what can you tell us about Harry Kane that you haven't told us before?
4: <laughs> he only scores against Muck. Tapping <laughs> <laughs> you merchant. Must, you must yeah, exactly. You must be making all
0: that up, Rick. Oh, sorry. Maybe. I don't uh, know. I Am think... I? <laughs>
4: I, I, well, I'll tell you one thing. Young Kate is lucky that she got in there first because there's <laughs> thousands of us who'd have his babies. I'll including Poch.
0: Including Poch. Well,
4: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. But I, I think I might have cracked it fast. I think, just had a look. His birthday is on the 28th of July, right? Now, he's yeah. a professional athlete. He can't have a beer every Saturday like the rest of us. So maybe he gets absolutely tanked on his birthday and that wipes him out for a month. <laughs> Possibly. <Yeah. laughs> if that's not it then I don't know but yeah no, he's he's the boy who can do everything isn't he we, I, I love him so much I think you know you, you look at this world outside of football at the moment and you think we're living in the time of Kim Jong and Donald Trump but that also means that we're living during the time of Harry Kane as well. And I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'll I'd risk World War III just so I can go and watch Harry Kane every other Saturday.
0: That's fantastic. John, just to give you for a second, I've got to ask you this one. Um, Teddy Sheringham now is a guy that was from our era, wasn't he, John? Growing up for me and you, Teddy Sheringham, yeah. we grew up watching him. And even Teddy at the weekend on Sky, I mean, he said, Harry Kane is everything I had and even more. For Teddy to say that, John, I mean, that, that's pretty special, isn't it? Because Teddy was some kind of striker that me and you watched growing up week in, week out. Yeah, he was. I think think the main difference from talking
4: about the eras is back then, Teddy always would have been at a partner in a 4-4-2 and I think that meant that he didn't really need, he didn't need to have some of the attributes that a more rounded, one-up-top striker like Kane needs to have nowadays in modern football. I think, I'm not saying that playing with Chris Armstrong made Teddy Sheringham a better player (laughs) but what I'm saying is it takes away some of the burden so you don't have to have that you know, if you've got, we've seen it before at the Spurs, we've had little and large up front crouching Defoe and we've had, you know, smaller, more supple, nip, nippy strikers like Defoe. And I think the fact that Kane, all right, you can say Ali's probably his strike partner, but the fact that Kane could do it all on his own, Teddy's right. He's right. There's no two ways about it. He's. It'd be nice to see them two play up front together, don't get me wrong, because Teddy's a bit of a hero of mine, but yeah, he's uh He's just fantastic. And we could talk about him every week and blush about him. I love the guy.
0: Yeah, there's not enough time to cover Harry Kane. I mean, what a phenomenal player. James, coming over to you, there's something I saw you picked up to, up on today on social media. And that was Jan Vertonghen's marauding run to set up that second goal. Where he kind of laid in Delhi Alley. I mean, Jan Vertonghen, and Jace, a lot of talk is about the likes of Sanchez, about Adavirald. Does Vertonghen get the credit he deserves, Jace? Because he's been phenomenal really for the last season and a half, hasn't he? He really has stepped up to the plate where many doubted sometimes that his heart was in it.
2: He definitely doesn't get the credit, you know, I think when you you um you listen to the, the various people talking on skies and the BTs Everyone will tell you that, that Toby's the best defender in the league. But Jan, to me, is, is so impressive alongside him. I mean, you know, it was a fantastic bit of play for the second goal. The, the initial touch, the, the marauding run forward, the, the, the perfectly weighted pass to Ali. And actually, if you look at the first goal, what was astonishing, if you look at, I think it's the the, the camera that was behind our goal when, when the ball goes in at the far end. If Harry Kane misses that ball, the very nearest one to him then was Jan Vertonghen. And Jan probably thinks Harry's, Harry's nicked a are tapping off of him. And I think, you know, that it's just an astonishing run he must have made on the blind side for that as well. But I thought, you know, when, when West Ham was starting to, to push on in that last bit, I thought him, Sanchez, Toby, all defended well, Ben Davis as well. And, you know, they stopped, they, they won their tackles in the box, they got their blocks, they won the ball in the air. And that's not so easy to do when they're constantly looking for Andy Carroll. And I thought Jan had an absolutely
0: fantastic game certainly. Yeah, Rolls-Royce of a player, isn't he, Jan Vertonghen? Really, really has improved during his time at Tottenham. Coming over to you, Vass. Harry Kane, that second goal, a real poacher's one, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was. um, He, I mean, again, I mean, that that was a great build-up, wasn't it, with uh, Jan Vertonghen breaking Mm. forward and the interplay leading up to it. Uh, And it was the one occasion where where Delhi didn't hesitate and actually took his shot early. Uh, and we reap the benefit of it. Kane has just got a sixth sense, hasn't he? He was in the right position to just stroke the ball in um, nonchalantly. It was, just, it was an easy goal for him in the end. But he, the way he took up his position, it's almost as if he half expected the Delhi shot to come back to him in that specific place. So, yeah, it was a great goal and, and much needed. And it comes so soon after, after the first one, it really knocked the stuffing out of West Ham
0: did, and I promise you this is the last Harry Kane stat I am going to read tonight. Lionel Messi is the only player to score more domestic league goals than Tottenham Hotspur striker Harry Kane. That maybe just puts it into emphasis, just how the rich vein of Harry Kane's form is right now. It is unbelievable. So, going to come back round to you, John. we go into halftime half-time. Absolute dream first half of being 2-0 up. We come out Start again, really, really decent. And Christian Eriksen makes it 3-0. And John, what are you going to tell me about about this finish? Because he literally just plucks it out of the air and beautifully places it beyond Joe Hart's reach.
4: I think the thing that I liked about the goal so much is that it just looked so easy. Like, that that could have ended up anywhere. You know, all right, it's fallen on his strong side. But he's had to, con- you know, control the strike. He didn't have to hit it too hard. It was all about placement. And again, Joe Hart's left flapping and he, he didn't get nowhere near it. I think... At the time, I don't think I appreciated how good a finish it was. I was just straight off the sofa and jumping around like a div. But <laughs> the way that there's so much control involved in that strike, you know what I mean? It's just beautifully placed. Like, the keeper, he really couldn't make it. He couldn't get there. And I think it's just, you know, all right, I know you say about his assists and all that, and people can say he doesn't score enough goals. But if he, if he uh, you know, he's got that in his locker. And, uh, yeah, it was a lovely goal, was it? At, at that time, I was like, right, that's it, game over, I'm chill out a
0: bit
4: now. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, doing the hard, doing it the hard way since 1882. I don't know why I expected any different.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to come on. We are going to come on to Mr. Oria in a second. I promise. Coming around to you, Jace. just very quickly again. I have to say about the Eriksson skill. I mean, the technique, Jace, to bring that, like I say, out of the air. That's a skill in itself, isn't it, Jace, That finish.
2: That was just perfect. Bit of composure and. You know The important thing is he didn't try and lash at it, did he? He just kept his calm, he saw his spot and just, just really pushed it and passed it into it. No, it's fantastic technique and a, a really cool finish.
0: Yeah, it was. And like I say, he's now officially the highest-scoring Danish player in the Premier League with 33 goals. He now overtakes Nicolas Bentner, Arsenal's cult hero. So, uh, an interesting little stat there. I'm going to stick with you, Jason. I know you want kind of first, first chat on this tonight. Now, Serge Aurier, God bless his heart, he definitely is a Tottenham player. Let's let's put it like that because I say he, he looks like he's going to be one of these that could potentially frustrate and love in the in the meantime. But Jace, give us your thoughts then. When he's going for that second tackle, are you thinking? Come on, game craft, game craft, Jase.
2: Uh, without a doubt, and, a, and I tweeted Saturday what a, a brainless, stupid thing to do, and, and I stand by that because once you've been booked, you can't defend what he, what he did. You know, it, it, we all know you don't go lunging in the area, the pitch it was in, the player it was on, who's never really going to go and get away from him. You know, there's no defence you can give uh, for the second yellow card. What I will defend him from is, is the ridiculous nature of Sky, uh, particularly Sky on in their aftermatch with...
0: there with was a
2: red card waiting to happen. I mean, you know, before the, the first yellow, and let's be fair, the first yellow card was was a pretty innocuous thing. We know it was the totting up process, but, you know, when he eventually got the booking, was it was it him running into Carroll or did Carroll run into him? Good point. And, yeah. you know, even though the, the totting up process had gone on, nothing he'd really done was a really rash foul. You know, I don't remember him jumping in two-footed at anyone or, or you know, being at full length and chopping anyone down with trainers coming onto the pitch. <laughs> I think if you look at the Stoke-Chelsea game at the weekend, for instance, Marcus Alonso, run the risk when he'd made a really bad foul for his first and then completely took a bloke down for the second one. Well, Aurier didn't do any of that. And I think, you know, some of what was said after the show about him, you know, being this hothead and, and you know, he was raw and he's rash and, and things like that and, and the subsequent punditry over the weekend. I mean, he's, he's played 228 career games mm. and been sent off now three times. <laughs> so, you know, we're hardly talking about someone that's rash and for Alan Pardew to be saying he wouldn't speak to him till till Thursday, Sergio Rios received less red cards than Alan Pardew's received sackings. and that <laughs> that's a fact. You know, I mean, you know, Alan Pardew, I won't speak to him till Thursday. Well, you'll have been sacked by then, Alan. So forget about it; you'll we'll never get your chance. And I thought, you know, Jamie read that the criticism of him was just ridiculous. This is a bloke that's played one Premier League game, and I think Teddy. Teddy may well have had a, a good point about him where we all said last week on the pod and, and the preview of the show, we have to match their physicality. Mm-hmm. We have to match their intensity. Uh, Pochettino immediately after the game said we had to come here and show some fight. And maybe he's, he's heard all that speaking around the training ground in the week and he thought, right, OK, this is the type of game it is. I'm, I'm up for that. And... You know, to to be judging a bloke and call him a liability and things like that after one game is absolutely ridiculous.
1: Mm.
2: And, um, you know, the tackle he made on Arnautovic, Okay, he had a a handful of shirt, but (laughs) he wasn't the only person in the course of the game that had a handful of shirt. There was a bit where Mark Noble won a free kick on our box because he dragged Derrickson's shirt onto the top of him to to bring the foul. I mean, shirt-pulling goes on in football, but the actual tackle he made was a fantastic tackle. You know, as good a tackle as you see. And I just think, it was, you know, what he did was wrong with the second, as I say, with the second yellow, you can't defend him. But, but some of what's been written about him and, and talked about him over the weekend is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been over the top. Come over to you, John. There will be that argument, was he too pumped? You know, but I have to say, John, very quickly, there was a moment when he was on that booking where he did pull out of a tackle. I'm not sure if you saw that, John, a few moments before. So he obviously had the yellow card in his mind. Do you just think it's one of those things, John? Yeah, I think, do you know what,
4: I'm have i thinking about it, listening to you guys talk about it now, and I'm thinking maybe it's a little bit of the media narrative creeping. In. Mm, yeah. You know, we had before Swansea, and people are going, oh, Mike Dean's a ref, here we go. And then we have two blatant penalty shouts, in my opinion, turned down. You know what I mean? And I th- you just think, maybe is the ref paying too much attention? And the same again, you know what I mean? Michael Oliver's maybe thinking, you know, this Aurier fellow seems a bit, you know, he's, he's a a well, bit of a character I'll keep an eye on him and maybe he's singled out before the players even step out onto the pitch but I think yeah it, I, I did see that incident you're talking about and I, I think he's just a little bit like kind of like Kyle Walker might have been at 24 you know what I mean he's got that He's he's got maybe he's got a little bit of a brain fart in him occasionally but to be the first man in Premier League history to be sent off for trying to pin the tail on a donkey I think I can live with that <laughs>
0: Could you believe it, though, John, if we, if we end up drawing that game? I'm not sure if you could have, mate. I'll be honest with you.
4: No, listen, I'm, I'm, only, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek now. <laughs> of course, that yeah, course, yeah, If it would be three-all, mm. then uh, I'd be... Uh, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd be one of many you'd be... uh complimentary. To play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'll
0: bet. Vass, let's get your take on it then very quickly on Aria. What was your thoughts on it? Because, I mean, after the game, Poch said so the player... He apologised. He's loved by the dressing room. It's all very well to say this when you've won the game, Vas. What was your thoughts on the tackle at the time?
3: Hey, well, i echo what, what Jace said. It was a needless uh, challenge. He'd sort of uh, gone into one challenge or, or lost the ball when he, and he's reaching for it a second time and he's ended up catching the player. The, the first booking was soft uh, and it may very well have been the tighten up process. Um, It was a challenge he probably didn't need to make, and and in hindsight, he probably won't do it again. Um, I think he was maybe hyped up or pumped up for the game, you know, away, North London rival. I don't know what he's been hearing about the Premier League and how physical it is and everything else, so maybe that's got into his head too. Um, But, listen, it happens. Thankfully, we were um, well, well... up in the game so it didn't really (laughs) affect us too much but uh, it could have done, uh, he'll learn from it I'm sure and I think it'll be a good, good addition for us
0: yeah, I mean, he does seem to be a player that's going to be one of those all or nothing, isn't he, on his day, bless him. Let's hope, fingers crossed, there'll be more all rather than nothing, because I think he's a fabulous player that, you know, on the whole, I thought he had a very good game, so we are going to miss him. Kieran Trippier will fill in. Like I say, he's been brilliant for us this season. He came on, played well. Um, let's go back round then. Let's go round to you, Jace. Are we a little bit concerned of the manner, the goals we conceded, Jace, The corners, the set-pieces, Hernandez, Kuate. Should we defend those better, Jace? or do you just kind of put those down to West Ham, applying the pressure and us buckling a little?
2: Well, the first goal is certainly poor defending. You know, Musa Sissoko, <laughs> <laughs> just when he put a half-decent performance, there has to be something where, where people can jump onto him. But, uh, you know, he, he lost Hernandez. Clever bit of play from Hernandez, the way he just peeled off. But, you know, we, we didn't win the first header and, and we lost him at the back post. So, you, you'd certainly have to say that one was avoidable. The second goal, full credit to them, you know. <laughs> I have to say, I love that type of goal, unless it's scored against us. But was a fantastic cross, wasn't it? And an absolute rocket header. And I don't think there's you know, you can say try and shut the cross down, but it's not like it was really poorly fit. Thin. I think sometimes that's just a decent bit of play that you have to you know, give them a little bit of credit for and was perhaps the one bit of quality football they showed in the in the ninety minutes. But as I say, there was a was a lot between Aureo being sent off that, that whilst it felt really nervy, we actually handled that well because Hugo never made a save between the sending off and um, and that goal Kuyatti scored. And even after that, you know, he didn't have to make a, a blinding save after that. So I think, you know, in the cold light of day, when you look back at it, we actually defended that well a lot better than we perhaps give ourselves credit for on the day.
0: Yeah, there was one incident, Jason, I do remember towards the end of the game, where Hugo did come out and made a great one-armed kind of palm away. I mean, that again, it shows, doesn't it, Jason, he does kind of, again, save us points. Because at that moment, we need him to kind of come out, defend his goal, which he did for us, if you remember that incident.
2: Yeah, I mean, he got a fingertip on a mm. I think that was a corner or a deep cross or something like that. But yeah. but exactly right, you know that's what you that's what you want your goalkeepers to do. Help the back four, and if they can't get on it, you know at the end of the day, he's the one that can jump highest, and he's got the, the extension of his arm, isn't he? So you know you need him to come and relieve the pressure. But as I say, they they didn't actually threaten as much as as people thought, and and as it probably seemed on the time.
0: No, they didn't. Coming over to you, John. Ask this question, John, to you. I'm going to ask Marisa Sissoko, John. Are we starting to potentially see a Pochettino-type player? And has he kind of, in a way, united himself to the fans after that picture we saw of him up against Mark Noble? And there's been a lot of captions around it. (laughs) Well, I'd I'd say yes. I
4: think he he made a great impression on the game, I think, on Saturday. And uh, I didn't see much... Hate for him on social media afterwards, which is unfortunately the modern barometer of, you know, to know how things are going in the world of football. <laughs> I think Musa Sissoko did well. Look, listen, we said a year ago, or Jay said, you don't get 50 caps for France if you're a dud player. And mm. he's obviously, he's ob- there's obviously a baller in there somewhere. He's just got to be coaxed out. And I think, you know, this injury crisis that we're going through at the minute is, is really good news for Musa Sissoko. And hopefully that turns out to be good news for Tottenham Hotspur as well, in as much as it'll start to play like a £30 million player, maybe. Mm. You know, we're going to need him. We're we're definitely going to need him. He's he's very much a part of the squad. I, I for one, was pleased that he stayed because you you don't want him to, you know, go on somewhere else afterwards and start tearing it up. You know, Vincent Janssen's had a good start in Turkey, for for instance. And you start thinking, did we get rid of him too soon? And then, no, well, I don't think we did. But, yeah, (laughs) with with, with, Soko, I think he... He'll definitely contribute. He contributed on Saturday, and he's, he'll definitely will do. You know, in the, in the coming games, and I think he he did well. And I was really pleased that that Danny Murphy highlighted this on Match of the Day because a lot of it would have gone would have gone missing. You know, in the in in terms of the context of the game. You know, you look at the, the obvious things, and that you know is that that we won and Kane scored two and we had a red card. You don't necessarily pay much attention to what Musa Sissoko was doing but sure. yeah yep. he, did, he did really well I think it was made, hopefully he'll, he'll hit the ground running now I think it's it's so obvious that he just needs a bit of confidence and once once he gets a bit more <clears throat> excuse me then uh, hopefully we'll see the best of him starting uh, at Well. I'm sure he'll play and hopefully he'll have a good game there as well
0: yeah Come over to you Vas anything you want to add on that for us about Moussa Soko?
3: yeah I thought we had a good game on on Saturday forget what day it is now I know. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I thought he had a good game. He did. It wasn't sort of um, a standout performance or anything like that, but he did what he was required to do. You know, he won some tackles, he laid the ball off. Um, he had a good relationship with Aurier uh, at the start of the game. Uh, he actually fed Aurier for that uh, cross shot that uh, Kane just quite couldn't reach, which he wasn't. ended up being offside anyway. Um, And it was encouraging also to see that in in Match of the Day, uh, uh, the the recap after the game, Danny Murphy highlighted um, Sissoko, of all people, and he said, yeah, he's had a good game, and he highlighted some of the runs that he was making off the ball. Um, And, yeah, I think it's encouraging to see him perform even reasonably because he's been playing with so much fear, it looks like, and I'm Mm. sure some of the the negative vibes from the fans may be... He could hear that and it was it was playing on his mind and all this business about whether he would leave in the transfer window. And he had that little um, Instagram post of uh, him not going anywhere, that kind of thing. So he knows he's been under a little bit of pressure and he has been playing with a little bit of fear. So it's, it's encouraging just to see him sort of knuckle down and, and, and get on with it. So, yeah, he had a good game on Saturday, I thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, I so say I think again the price tag. I've said it before on this podcast, and I don't think that's helped him weigh him down. I think social media. I think John has pointed out on the show that that doesn't help the situation. He must go onto social media. He must see some of the criticism on there. And I don't mean to tell me. I don't think that would. You're not human if you do not allow some of that to bring you down. So fingers crossed. This is the turning point for him. Like John has said, he's got maybe a run of games coming up now where he can really establish himself in this Tottenham side. You know, with the likes of Dembele potentially being out, we're not too sure. That will give them. Uh, that will give Sissoko the opportunity now to really, really push on. Let's, guys, finish it up. Another guy that I have to mention at the weekend, the again, weekend. formidable down the left-hand side, Jase, coming back on you was Ben Davis. Uh, again, faultless performance. Getting better for me week upon week. I mean, I don't know what else I can say about the guy, Jace, He's just been phenomenal.
2: Uh, we've had lots of praise for... We've given him lots of love and lots of praise over the last few weeks, and once again he, 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 he did everything that was asked of him. I thought... You know, in, in recent weeks, we've seen more of him coming forward with his delivery of that into the box. I thought Saturday, some of his defending, as I say, particularly in those last 20, 25 minutes, was was excellent. And, you know, he's just got confidence through through genuine game time. And I think, you know, maybe that's, that's one thing that Soko will, will pick up on as well. Just regular game time, starting to maybe feel a, a valuable member of the squad uh, he hasn't got Danny Rose breathing down his neck so he knows he's going to have a great chance to play the next game he can prepare himself properly he probably prepares himself better in the week because of that and I think you're seeing all the benefits that, that regular football brings regular football brings better decision making quicker decision making and, and just a, a better level of, of performance and more consistency and, and that's what he's showing yeah he
0: must certainly just, use...
2: just just on the Musa Sissoko bit if I can just um, yes please do Yeah, I thought We've seen better from him this year with the Juventus game, the Everton game. I think the said the little ball that he played in for Aurier's cross, we've seen that regu- uh, recently because it was him that put Son in against uh, Swansea last week. It was him that put Trippier's cross uh, ball in for Trippier to cross for Allie against Barnsley. And he, he's, he's played that ball quite a few times this year. The one thing I will say about Moussa Sissoko is Saturday's performance has to be his his average level performance. I think because he's been so we look at it as if he had a, a better game. And, and he certainly contributed Saturday, but that's the level he's got to be every week, not as his exceptional level.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And just like I say, post-match, Potatino said it was a very tough game, deserved to win. He thinks the team showed different faces during the game. And especially did mention the fact that, you know, potentially us considering those last two goals at the end, it made us suffer for the win and that could be a really good trait as the season goes on he went on to say about Harry Kane he's in love with him as are the fans he's a player that managers like him love he's so humble, he keeps the values that managers like him appreciate and finally on Sojouria he said he needs his time to adapt League 1 is completely different to the Premier League he is happy with him guys we are going to go for a very quick break and after we are going to take some questions for the panel and also look ahead to Apoel tonight we'll be back after this very short break
1: Welcome to Lone Watch, a weekly update on our players out on loan. Starting in America this week, Anton Walks has played twice for Atlanta United since I last spoke to you, and both games have ended in victory. 4-0 over LA Galaxy and 2-0 over Montreal Impact. In Turkey, Vincent Janssen scored his second goal in as many games for uh, Fenerbahce, scoring from a penalty spot in a 2-1 victory over Besiktas. Uh, this match also saw a total of five players sent off. Coming back to England and the Skybet Championship, <coughs> Cameron Carter-Vickers played the full game as Sheffield United won the Steel City Derby 4-2 at Sheffield Wednesday, while Josh Onomer played twice for Aston Villa this week. Uh, he played 81 minutes at the 2-0 loss to Middlesbrough in the League Cup and was a 72nd-minute substitute as Villa won 2-1 at home over Nottingham Forest. Finally, in League One, uh, Conor Ogilvie was an unused substitute as Gillingham lost 3-0 away to Rochdale. That's it for this week's Loan Watch. Speak to you again next week
0: and come on your spurs. Hello, guys. Welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Guys, as always, we ask you to get your questions into us every single week. You can do that by tweeting our Twitter account of Last Word on Spurs, leaving your question with the hashtag LWOS. Now, guys, we do have a brand new website, which we will be sharing with you shortly, where Jason will be uploading all of your questions along with his answers every single week so guys we'll be announcing that very very shortly let's start tonight's questions off by going to you first John because I think you'll get the best answer to this one uh, this is Will at Rail D G G H D. thanks for that Will uh, he says how much did you shit yourselves when the second goal went in and what did you feel when the final whistle went John perfect question for you I thought
4: well, I had to give the sofa a good clean and get the Febreze out before the I Hopefully, Will, answers your question. No, it was, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> as I said earlier, sweaty palms and all that, dry mouth. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm sure I weren't the only one. It was tense, wasn't it? But yeah, no, it was good in the end. The full-time whistle was uh, was greeted gladly in my ass, and yeah, I must admit, Will, I don't, I don't like to admit these things. I'm a grown man now, but yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I did have to change my boxers
3: after, yeah. Mm. I'll tell you I'll tell you what, guys, no word of a lie. When their Spurs fans started singing that your shit song on sixty minutes, yeah. I turned to my wife and I sing it. That is bad news.
0: <laughs> too early, is it? it nearly, early.
3: nearly was. It was too early. Got to yeah. wait
0: till the 89th minute at least. We never learn, do we? We never do learn. No. Oh. Jace, can kind I of come back around to you? We've got a question here from Zach who says, Sissoko seems to be progressing, gaining confidence with every match. We have touched upon him already tonight, Jace, but he wants to know, Zach, this is at THFC, is this the turning point, Jase? Very quickly on this one. Let's hope so.
2: This hopes, so, as I say, Saturday's performance has to be his level performance, and if he can do that, I think you know he, he seems to just have, or Pochettino seems to have a little bit more trust in him this year. That's probably a help as well, and he, he's got chances now with Dembélé being absent to, to really force himself into that side, and it's it's up to him to to grab that chance, mate.
0: Yeah, let's stick with you for a second, Jace. Let's try and squeeze in another one to you. This is Jonathan Anderson at John Nathan A underscore, who says, What would you equate Delhi Ali's lack of confidence in front of a goal to, Jace?
2: It's hard to say, isn't it? Why he's lacking confidence because his figures with goals and things like that this season isn't too bad. I think, you know, one thing I will say about Delhi is he's quite an instinctive player. We've seen him score, what, over 30 goals. The vast majority. Are usually, one touch goals, and uh, I can't really remember him going through one on one and scoring for us yet. So, maybe it's just that instinctive bit where a little bit too much thinking time sometimes muddles your thoughts up. But I don't think there's any real big problem with, with Delhi. I don't think, as bad as he looks at the moment, he's actually that far away from being the, the Delhi Alley that we all know. Mm.
0: I hope you're right. I mean Poltak RMS asks a similar question, he says, and his movement on the ball is great, off the ball even better. But has he been neglecting his shooting practice? I mean so much speculation about at the moment about Delhi. All we know is he's a fabulous young player, we know the qualities there, and there's no doubt as we know on this podcast, as I said I've avoid repeating myself here, we know he's gonna get goals and we know we're gonna be speaking about him week upon week, so no doubt the goals will be coming back.
2: Even that Rick, you know, Mm, if you think about him you know, when they say about his shooting practice, think of his goals. Yeah, There's exactly. not that many great goals in there. They're nearly all you know, he's he's probably more of a tapping merchant in many ways than <laughs> than Kane is. It's usually close in, you know, eight eight, ten yards out with a simple header or a really simple finish. There's not that many great goals in his goals and I think that that's what I mean. It's it's just instinctive, intelligent finishing rather than spectacular stuff
0: yeah and I hope that also answers the question of Top Spur comments who says what's happened to Deli Ali's ruthlessness we know the goals are here we know they're coming and he showed it this season so fingers crossed they continue going to come round to you now next Vass we've got a question here a great question from James Powell at how good was Lorente's cameo that brilliant six seven minutes where he came on Vas, and he really broke the game up. Had a massive rail. That went on for a while. That stoppage time didn't get added on. That was also mentioned, I think, by Paul O'Keefe on Twitter. Really, really good seven-minute cameo. And you just feel, Vas, that is what exactly is been brought for. That little bit of experience to kind of see out a game, Vas.
3: Yeah, you can you can tell that the guy's been there, done it, and his experience was telling uh, at the end. Uh, we, we were sort of back to the wall a little bit, and then when he came on, uh, we were able to play a, a few long balls down downfield. And he, he won some headers, he controlled the ball, he held it up a little bit uh, on occasion. So he took a little bit of pressure off, albeit that he was only on for a short while. And, I mean, that little ruck that he was at the centre of uh, right at the end, that, I mean, that was his experience uh, all over there. Just killed the momentum of the game, ate up some valuable time. And then before you know it, the game was over. So that that was um, superb from him, even though it was only a, what an eight-minute cameo or whatever it was. Uh, it, it was much needed at the time.
0: It was. Let's look you, Vass. Let's try and squeeze another question from you. Uh, this is Jeremy Palmer at Jeremy Palmer 7 who says, Thought he played well. Serge Aurier's brilliant tackle saved the three points. Defending set-pieces are still problematic. Lastly, why no Son? Is that just because of the options we've got at the moment, Vass? Or what do you think about Son?
3: Um... No son to start the game. Uh, I think yeah. he's saying
0: last. What maybe not, maybe not? He's saying lastly, why no son? I'm not sure what he's referring to there with regards to son.
3: <laughs> well, I think the starting lineup. I don't think we could really argue with it. Mm, and yeah. as, as as for why son didn't enter the the game, clearly when you're down to ten men, you, your options are somewhat limited. Harry Winks had to come on to help shore up midfield a little bit and give uh, Christian Eriksen a break. Uh, Sissoko was already at right wing back and it was plain that he couldn't continue there for too much longer so Trippier did have to come on and then we just mentioned the Lorente substitution and the benefits that that had so Mm, really it was just horses for courses and there was no real room for Sun.
0: yep No, I agree with you completely. I agree. Going to come back round to you, Vass. We've got a question here. Great question, I think, from Zoe Pearson. Always throws in some brilliant questions to the show. She says, do you think Spurs fans actually see the best of where are in European competition during his period of adjustment into the English game? Really good question. Vass, what's your thoughts on that?
3: Well, he's hugely experienced in European football, isn't he? Having played for PSG for, for a while. Um, and he's got Champions League experience and maybe his game will be more suited to, to, to Champions League. And there will be a bedding-in period for for Premier League until he adapts. So I think initially, yes, we will see the best of him in uh, Champions League. Obviously, it depends on Poch's rotations as well between him and and Trippier. Um, But eventually, I I think we'll get a a consistent showing from him in both um, domestic and and, uh, European games.
0: Yeah, I agree. Fingers crossed. Well, guys, thank you so much for all of your questions. I'm so sorry we haven't got through them all. Jason very kindly is already working, if he hasn't already, on the actual answers to all your questions. And we're hopeful we're going to have that website to give to you very, very soon, where you can see all of Jason's answers to your questions. So thank you so much. Again, guys, if you want to be part of the podcast, which we always want you to be, we want you to get involved, all you've got to do is tweet us at LastWordOnSpurs. Leave your question with the hashtag LWOS. We will read your question out. On next week's show We've actually got a special extra time This week as well Which I think John and Jace are in for That'll be for the Well game So get your questions in for that Get involved as much as you can guys Really really appreciate it So We're going to move on to Well, And a great question to start the night Let's go to you um, On this Jace to start with Who should we start Jace Against L? And that's from Zman 11215 At Spursdog1 A regular listener To our show
2: well, it's really hard, isn't it? Because we know that, um, you know, we, we obviously knew that Jan and, and Delhi were suspended, uh, but we now know probably Dembele won't play, and we now know that Eriksen looks like a late withdrawal. So it's really difficult to know. Will we stay with three at the back and call in, Will we go to a flat-back four and play with Winks and Dyer in midfield? Will it be Winks and Sissoko in midfield? You know, will we see even Kane play as a 10 and, and Laurenti play up front? It's really difficult to know which way to do it. I just, you know, we said off air, I just hope tomorrow night people realise there's no Rose, there's no Lamella, obviously, long-term, there's no Vertonghen, there's no Dembele, there's, uh, you know, there's no... Uh, Eriksen. Eriksen, there's no Ali. Mm. And so I hope people don't sit there and say, oh, look at our bench, we've got no players on the bench to bring on, because... You know, we're at a stage where the, where there's seven or eight players that, mm, that seven, could five, be on the bench, won't yep. be there. So, you know, just, just, just bear that in mind as well. Um, you know, other than the fact Son will definitely come into the side for, for Ali, then I honestly don't know what way we'll go. It's it's really difficult to predict. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does play Kane a little bit more withdrawn and, and Llorente beyond him. It's not necessarily what I'd like to do, but probably of, of the options in front of us it's probably the one I'd go with but um, it's far from ideal that's for sure
0: mm. Going to come around to you Vass. what are you making out of this lineup? because at the moment it looks like a flash of Holby City with a mix of casualty in there seven players out I mean it, it's worrying times isn't it going into tonight because you've got to say Champions League we want to progress in it and you'd have to say Vas this is one of the games we should have to win really if we want to progress in the group Yeah
3: yeah I've, I've just echoing what um jace said about the uh the, the depth in the squad but if you think about it it's it's nice to have so many options now yeah. isn't it um yeah. just just following on again what from what J- jason said you know we've we got options in defense we can play a three we can play a four you know fourth can come in or davison play uh left-sided center back if we play a three we've got dyer available Weeks can come in so I think we've got options. Uh, Lorenta gives us another option up front, and I'm sure Sun will come in and and, and play tomorrow night. Uh, Apoel won't be a walkover uh, by any stretch, but of all the teams uh, in our group, then this is probably the game where you tolerate some absences. So I think we we should still come out of it, um, you know, with with a win and and the three points, which are going to be critical.
0: Yeah. I mean, just to give you for a second, Vas, they've got four points, I think, from their opening three games in Cyprus. I mean, we, listen, we know the league is not of a great level. Should we look into that too much or, you know, they're going to be up for it, aren't they? I would presume Tottenham coming to oh, town.
3: Yeah, of course they'll be up, uh, up for it. I mean, I think they've, they, you know, they've been drawn against three top sides uh, in this Champions League group. So it's, they'll, you know, proverbially treat everything as a cup final. The, the ground will be full. It'll be loud. Um, pitch quality I don't know what that will be like but it'll be it'll be hot so our players have got to contend with that as well um, and to give them their dues they're, they're not a bad side I mean they made the quarterfinals of the of the Champions League a few seasons back so they're well run they're efficient um, it will be a difficult game but as long as we stick to our game plan I think we should have enough
0: yeah fingers crossed in with the bare thin squad we got we should have enough John, coming mm. over to you, what's your thoughts on it? They lost 3-0 to Real Madrid in the previous Champions League group stage game. Hard to really play much significance on that, John, because of the nature of the opposition. What's your thoughts going into this one, John?
4: I just feel that it's, it's so very, very important that we do come away with a win because let's assume that Real Madrid beat Dortmund. So, they Madrid would be on six points, we would be on six points. And then you would also assume that Dortmund would take six points from their back-to-back games of Apoel. Yeah. And if we don't take any points out of Real Madrid, which is, is going to be tough, then you could have, you know, Dortmund and Spurs drawn on six points after four games. And I th- and I think that, you know, this this it's, the injuries are so badly timed because this is the one where I feel, you know, the, the home and away games against Applewell are going to be the ones which ultimately determine who goes through because I think that the goal difference will play a big part in this group. And I think if we could, you know, do. Similarly, what Real Madrid done to them and, and win, all right, you can say it was only by three and you'd, you'd expect expecting Madrid to beat them by more, but that's still a plus three straight away. And I think that, you know, we're obviously, we're obviously uh, goals in front of Dortmund as we beat them. But yeah, this is the important one for me because I can't see us getting too much at the Bernabeu and following that at Wembley against Madrid, who knows. But yeah, we, we desperately need three points.
0: Yeah. That's
4: what's,
0: what's your thoughts, though, John, in terms of the score we've got over there? More than capable to get the result, in your opinion? <laughs>
4: Well, yeah, they should be. I mean, you know, we're still, you know, this squad is has only lost one game this season. We're in the top four of the Premier League. You know, we're we're second in our Champions League group. We're through in the League Cup. You know, it's not as bad as people, some people like to make out, is it? There's, you know, no,
0: yeah,
4: yeah. it's only those with an agenda that would put a, po- a negative spin on that, I would say. I think we're, we're going into it, you know, in a decent amount of form. We've obviously had a uh, a good win on Saturday, as much as it might have been tiring for the players. They certainly got enough left in the tank, those that will play, to uh, come on from Cyprus with a win.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Can I come back round to you, Jace? We've seen today, well, say tonight even, that Anthony Georgiou come into the squad. He was a player that really lit up pre-season. Do you think he's going to be one just to make up the bench? Do you think he could feature? What's your thoughts, Jace, on that?
2: Well, it wouldn't surprise me if he's on the bench, um, I don't know if Oakley Booth has, has travelled as well. He's another one that's been knocking on the bench for a couple of games. And as we say, with so many players, first-team players missing, presumably there's got to be one or two surprise choices on the bench. And he impressed in those little cameos that he had in pre-season. But um, I think, you know, the important thing tomorrow, a little bit like West Ham, is, is get the mentality right, get the attitude right. Don't go there with any complacent attitudes. At all, make sure we, we get ourselves really prepared for the game. Except that it might be a hard game. Except that you might have to show that patience. You know, we certainly won't go there. I don't think, and and, and stroll to a five-nil away win or something because, as I said, then then they're not a mug side and they, they do have some European experience. So if we get all those types of things right, then I'm sure we'll be okay on the evening.
0: Yeah. Well, come on in, Jase. Let's stick with you then. Let's get your prediction for tonight's game.
2: Um. I'll go for a I'll go for a three 0 away win.
0: Okay, three 3-0 away win. The no mugs but three nil Jace.
2: Yeah, well I've just have confidence in Tottenham mate. You know, Everton are no mugs. No we that's put true. three past them. Very West Ham, West Ham are mugs and we put three past them. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's,
3: it's
2: quite simple, isn't it? We we said you know, we saw sixes and sevens at the end of last year. So away from home we've we haven't had too many problems, so yeah, I think if, as long as we get everything mentality right mm. then I'm, I'm sure we'll have the chance of, to get three again
0: yeah and very quickly Jase Oreo to start for you tomorrow or tonight shall I say tonight, uh, yeah? definitely
2: Yep, yeah, Oreo starts for me
0: no hesitation you'd throw him in Jace.
2: no hesitation
3: at all
0: okay fair enough going to come back round to you then Vass what's your prediction for
3: tonight 2-0 uh, win I think um, as much as we want more goals I think it's going to be a night where we're going to have to be patient um, get the first I think we'll get a second um, and that should wrap it all up really okay. uh, definitely Oreo will start in my opinion too because um, it'll be suspended for Saturday against Huddersfield and Trippier will be in for that one so yeah definitely play Oreo tomorrow
0: yeah and what about Winks though Vash you'd like to see Winks start maybe
3: yeah yeah why not I think he's he's said recently that he's now sort of injury free and, and, mm. and raring to go so it might be an opportunity to, to give him a run out tomorrow be interesting to see what um, Poch does with Dyer. really if he wants to drop him back into defence now that Vertonghen isn't playing uh, and maybe play uh, Winks and Sissoko in the middle or something like that so yeah I, I think Winks will, will probably uh, if he doesn't start he'll get he'll get good game time for sure
0: yeah I agree with you. I think it's going to be a very interesting lineup tonight. Really looking forward to it. And John, finally, going to come to you. Prediction, John. What are you going to give us for tonight?
4: I think it's going to be kind of like a, what would have been a Europa League lineup, isn't it? Due to the injuries, so I'm going to go for a Europa League away performance because we ain't had <laughs> squeaky bum time. <laughs> well, tell, tell me the last time we had a decent away game in the Europa League. <laughs>
0: oh dear. Oh my God. <laughs> it's been a, that's a, it's, that's a, it's been a while.
4: So, yeah, no, I'd say any win, I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0 to Spurs.
0: Oh, Oh, what a night we're in for. Cheers, John. You'll have to get back to that sofa again,
3: John, after the game. (laughs) (laughs) that for
0: a freeze, I think. God. I'm going to cling
4: film it tomorrow afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready set up for the evening.
2: There
0: you go. Well, John set us up for a really good night tonight, 1-0 he reckons. Honestly. Guys, well let's hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to be talking about a win for Tottenham in the Champions League. It would be great to start off with back-to-back wins in Europe. Really, really looking forward to it. Vass, thank you so much for joining us tonight. been a real pleasure having you on.
3: No, thanks a lot, Ricky. been a pleasure uh, taking part with you guys.
0: Yeah, we'll most likely get you back on in the near future, Vass. Really, really enjoyed it. John, thank you as always. You're back with us on Wednesday night, aren't you?
4: Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I might even have a special song if we win.
0: <laughs> Look forward to that. Look forward to that. And last but certainly not least, Jason, thank you as always. And you're also back for us on Wednesday night, Jace.
2: Yep. looking forward to uh, looking forward to the game and fingers crossed it all goes out as we're playing.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. We are talking to you guys on the back of yet another win. So guys, as we roll into another Chad game, the last thing to be said as always, come on you Spurs.